You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Jim Germanic. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. In the book, there's a very important concept. It's called primary contacts. And those are people who can invest in you or collect you, represent you, or hire you. And so any creative professional really needs to try to meet as many primary contacts as they can. And so the contact accumulation, quality contact accumulation, is a very, very important part of creating a living or maintaining a creative living. It's really important in this day and age with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, to try to continue to expand your contact base of primary contacts. People can hire or invest, hire you, rep you, or invest in you. Yeah, I think that maybe some people are indiscriminately collecting contacts. I mean, social media is like a one vast contact. Likes is one thing, but, you know, a lot of really successful people just aren't even on that. They don't have the time because they have real world contacts. And you also emphasize that the face to face. That's how you can make more real world contacts. It's a really great way of doing that. And so contact accumulation is definitely a goal. Yes. And then, of course, you uh, focus in on, you know, secondary contacts, which can be, you know, those are people who know primary contacts. So there may be PR people or people in corollary industries. Uh, Maybe they're in the recording industry. Maybe they're uh, successful business people. But it's it's important process to be successful. And speaking of, you know, you had this option once you got, and again, it's it's very interesting the way you found your way to ICM and being an agent, and you could have stayed there forever, you know, um, representing some really, um, you know, uh, amazingly talented people from Arthur Miller, Shirley MacLaine, Ben Kingsley, Dudley Moore. Um, you know, it's, it's a long list of people you uh, represented and learned from, I'm sure, but you chose to maybe take, I don't want to say a more difficult path, but it's, there's, no, there's no guarantees in the creative life. People thought I was crazy. I was making a good six-figure income with a big expense account. I was getting divorced at the time, and someone said, when you, know, when you have a breakup, follow your dreams. And I took that literally. And without any safety net, I quit this rather powerful and lucrative position to start essentially at square one with independent films. I was very fortunate uh, the year after I I quit, I made a film with Stephen Fry and Callista Flockhart. And then five years later, I made a film called Passionata, which starred uh, Teresa Russell, Seymour Cassell, Jason Isaacs, uh, yeah, I, and, and that was a result of uh, numbers. You know, I feel like a lot of life is a numbers game, whether it's romance or business or whatever, it's numbers. And the film Passionata was the result of literally hundreds of meetings I had in London, Paris, Berlin, LA, San Francisco, Boston, New York, you name it. Finally, I met somebody who had the means to make something and we made this beautiful Romance, uh, also starring Sofia Milos. And so how did you find that from, you'd been sitting on the other side of the desk and people had been coming to you, not necessarily, I'm, I'm not sure how it worked with when you were repping clients, whether you were having ideas being pitched at you or 
you know, I, I, I don't know, but you had to consider it from a different end of the telescope. And what was that like having to apply these things that you had seen um, in action, these qualities you've seen in these creatives that you were maybe representing and then applying them? It was very difficult. It's, I mean, it, it, it can, it's not easy. It's a very difficult business. And generally speaking, after one success, it doesn't guarantee the next success. There's a lot of people that just make one film and that's it. And even make, and making any film is a miracle. You know, it was very, very difficult. I had to start from square one. I did not have a lot of those contacts that I, those primary contacts. I had, I, I worked hard to make them as quickly as I possibly could. And, and a lot of the contacts I had from ICM, they didn't, they were too big. They're heads of studios, heads of networks. It, I was too small. I was just starting out creatively as a creative person. So uh, my brother's a well-known travel writer, Stephen Germanic uh, at activetravels.com. And he and I wrote a couple of screenplays that sold and we wrote Passionautic together. Also in your lifetime, how you've seen um, film and television, this wonderful blossoming that we have now uh, has really gone through a lot. What are your reflections on that? I mean, it's a very, uh, I'm, lo I'm looking at it from a point of view of a creative entrepreneur. It's going through with some serious challenges right now in terms of, uh, again, writers, directors, producers, actors making a living. It's a going through some se severe challenges because of the expansion of the streamers, they're not making films in a certain budget range, uh, let's say between 10 million and 60 million, then just making very few films in that range. It's very hard to make period films. It's very hard to make certain genres like dramas and comedies. And I feel like it's hurting the business because you're not allowing uh, certain voices in it. You're not allowing uh, people without giant credits in it. And it's just about the same kind of formulaic superheroes or action films that we've seen over and over again. I feel like a lot of great cinema nowadays is outside of America. You know, uh, I'm impressed with films from Korea, Iran, other countries. I'm, I'm a little bit discouraged by the uh, cinema in America today because it's... Uh, it's become too much of a business. It used to be led by creative people who had business skills. Now it's kind of just led the heads, the powers are just like MBAs and they're, they're ruthless and they don't, they don't have a creative taste. They just have a commercial taste. So I'm a little bit discouraged. It's a scary time. And hopefully through the internet or hopefully through innovation of some type, we'll have more of a democratic participation in uh, making films, there'll be more of an opportunity for young people, for beginners to make the films they want without having to serve money, capitalism, profits first. Yeah, and as we were just talking about, streaming has really changed the game, especially for TV shows. And I know that you've uh, worked on a short web series, so you have some experience in that. And you know, for a long time, TV shows were essentially mediated by being 22 minutes with three ad breaks. 44-minute dramas face a similar problem. They're still being somewhat built around ad breaks. 
Um, but you know, streaming has really changed that a show doesn't need to have ad breaks. It doesn't need to run for a 22 episode season. It doesn't need to have a possibility for six seasons and maybe a movie down the line. But it also seems like now with streaming, every Netflix show runs for one, two, maybe three seasons. And then they realize, okay, that's kind of the ideal thing for a streaming show. So my question is, has streaming really opened up the gate for TV shows to enter into new mediums? Or are we just seeing television shows and shorter series morph into the ideal streaming format? I think the allowance and flexibility about time, durations, is a wonderful creative liberation for, for, for creators. So I think that's a great thing. But getting into a Netflix or getting into an Amazon or a Hulu is a whole nother ball game. And unfortunately, there's a movement by the powers that be. They really want somebody, they want an established A-list director or A-list star. So what, what upsets me, what discourages me is it's very hard to get a TV show made. There are exceptions, don't get me wrong. It's very hard to get a TV show made without some powerhouse producer, director, or actor involved. And I don't like those walls, those obstacles. So I think, you know, it's, yes, it's, it's very liberating to accept various different forms of audiovisual content, but at the same time, the barriers of entry are getting higher and higher. And that, that's upsetting to me. And I would love there be to be a, an innovation or something where people can build their own audience and get as many viewers as they would on a streamer. One thing that you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation was how do you distinguish yourself? But then this, uh, there's another challenge, which might even be greater. What have you learned from these uh, great artists and how not only do you distinguish yourself, but how do you maintain that level uh, you know, through maturity, you know, the longevity, you know, what happens in your second and third act? I mean, Shirley Temple can't, you know, tap dance <laughs> as it be the adorable child forever. So how do you, how did you uh, notice that they were able to reinvent themselves to have these great long careers? You know, one of the reasons I did the documentary on Martin Landau is because I was, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s, I was having a lot of clients who are in their 70s and 80s. So I learned about Hollywood and New York theater in their 40s, 50s and 60s. So I had a, I had a working knowledge of that, unlike many people my age, you know. So it, it is a challenge for any artist's life. And it is important to open yourself up to other arenas. Pivoting is such an important uh, ingredient to success. Pivoting. In other words, you may want to be a sci-fi screenwriter, but there's only so many slots for sci-fi screenwriters. There's only maybe 10, 20, 30 in the world, 40. So do you give up? Do you keep on hitting your head against the wall until it gets bloody, or do you go around the wall? And so what impressed me from those people is they understood that, and they tried different things. They tried, they pivoted. They try different genres or different media. And now, you know, this is a global economy. And so maybe it's not working in the country you're in, but maybe you'd be successful in another country or in another uh, type of art or something. So it's being flexible 
being flexible enough to pivot. And uh, that's one aspect. And it's also being tough. You have to be, you have to have a thick skin. Any creative professional is going to encounter thousands and thousands of rejections. How do you deal with that? How do you cope with that? How do you stop taking it personally and getting, getting it under your skin? They were masters at that. They didn't take these things. It was important for them to expand their, their art and craft. Don't get me wrong. But they didn't take the continual rejections or downfalls. They didn't take it to heart. They kept on going. They kept on going. And they were strong mentally. They were strong. Uh, they knew that was simply part of the business. And this is what, you know, for every... There's a number of rejections for every success. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.